Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before this episode of The Warning Woods, I wanted to tell you about another podcast called True Crime IRL. My friend Kelly Barron's Brink discusses Midwest murder and missing person cases, as well as cold cases. I've learned a lot about cases close to where I live, and Kelly is very entertaining to listen to. Subscribe to True Crime IRL today. Welcome to The Morning Woods. I'm Miles Tridel, writer, producer, and narrator of this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. Newton, North Dakota was this little town about 10 miles east of the Montana border and a few miles off the highway. The last census taken there reported about 200 folks who called it home. Small as it was, Newton was a homey place. It was pretty isolated, but that just brought the community together. They shared game amongst each other, and when the weather allowed, they grew all kinds of vegetables in a community garden. Every now and then, the one-aisle grocery store would have a truck bring some new stock, but for the most part, everyone lived on the support of one another. I was a patrolman for the North Dakota Highway Patrol back in 84. Besides the regularly poor road conditions, it was a relatively safe job. I got to know a lot of people, too. I knew just about every gas pumper and cashier from Mackenzie County to the Canadian border. It was helpful to count those folks as friends when the occasional investigation came along. I would often find myself driving through Newton, usually in the early afternoon during my daily patrol. I got to know a few of the townsfolk pretty well. Every now and then I'd stop at Jeb's, the local dive, and catch up on the town gossip over a beer. I suppose I can admit to that now that I'm retired. Please don't count it against me. If there had been any warning, I like to think I would have gone up there and made sure these folks had everything they needed to survive the storm, but as I'm sure you've heard, the blizzard on February 4th came seemingly out of nowhere. Lucky for me, I was only about 5 miles from a truck stop when the visibility dropped to about 10 feet from my bumper. Total whiteout. As I took shelter in the warmth of that truck stop, hot coffee in hand, All I could think about was the endless list of accident reports I'd likely have to take when the storm lifted. Fool. I had to wait a while even after the snow stopped falling to allow the highway some time to get cleared. It was while I was waiting that the first thought of Newton came to mind. As far as they were from the highway, I knew it would be some time before they got reconnected with the world by means of the road. I could only hope they had enough supplies on hand to get through a few days of being snowed in. I mean, there was no warning, no time to prepare at all. A couple long days of filing reports and searching for ditched vehicles wore me out. I added an extra day off to my weekend just to try and relax a little, regroup. 
fool. It was five days after the storm that I drove up the route that usually took me by Newton. I was surprised to find that, although the highway had been well cleared, the unmarked road to Newton still had about four feet of snow piled on it. I radioed in and reported this to my sergeant, and he made some calls. An hour later, a plow showed up, and I followed right behind him. My palms were a little sweaty as I gripped the steering wheel. Five days was an awfully long time to go on your own in the winter. Newton's community garden was obviously useless until April or May, and the sheer amount of snow would have made hunting difficult to say the least. I said a few prayers for those folks, prayers I should have been saying days before. If I hadn't known the road as well as I did, we might have missed the town altogether. As the plow pushed through Main Street, the businesses on either side looked more like pure white hills save for the occasional roof or window peeking out. My stomach dropped. If the people there had made any attempt to dig themselves out, the wind must have undone their efforts. At its lowest points, the snow must have been ten feet deep, and in many places it looked closer to twenty. It took us three days to plow and dig out the little town of Newton. Each time we uncovered a house, we hoped to knock on the door and find someone inside. Any sign of life might have alleviated some of the fear that plagued us as we searched, but every knock received the same answer. Silence. By day two, we had a helicopter fly over the area to see if the residents had relocated or tried to get away before they were trapped, but the drifting snow covered any would-be evidence of their path. They were just gone. No one ever came back to Newton. No one who had lived there was ever heard from again. We searched the area extensively during the spring and summer, but never found anyone, not even a body. There was no sign that they had left, and definitely no sign that they'd stayed. I'm writing this now in hopes that someone might be able to tell me what happened. Out of 200 people, someone must have survived, right? Someone must know where those poor folks ended up. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.